Praise God. We like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us today. We welcome you this morning. God bless you for being here. We're so glad you're here. And if you're watching us this morning online, live, or maybe you're watching us later at a later date, we thank you for taking time this morning to watch us. And we pray that you're blessed by what you hear, see, and feel. And we hope that you desire to be a part of what God is doing, not just here, but wherever you are. Praise God. Amen. I am not, uh, I, I just, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, a good thing. It's just something I've never consciously done. I've never been a, a, uh, a series type preacher. Um, I try to be led of the Holy Ghost every week. And so that being said, sometimes it's, it's, it's tends to be different every week. But I felt very strongly that where we are and sort of at the moment we are in our progression as a body and what God is doing, that I felt the need over the next few weeks, beginning today and following through the month of September. So the next four Sunday mornings during the 11 o'clock, this has nothing to do with 945. This is about the 11 o'clock that I felt the Lord impressed upon me. Uh, to uh, minister in this vein. And so I want to minister over the next four weeks in the vein with the idea and the word movement as what we are going to be using uh, as sort of our thread that's going to tie the next four weeks together. Because I believe that we are at a place in time where God is trying to move us and create a movement that goes beyond just what is good for us as individuals, but it gets bigger than you and I, that what God is trying to do. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to use this terminology and this idea and talk about several different instances in Scripture where this plays in. So that's not usually the way I am, and I really do sincerely try to follow the Holy Ghost, and I'm not trying to come up with catchy uh, slogans and phrases and advertising ideas. It's just what I feel the Lord has impressed upon me that goes bigger than just one week. And so over the next few weeks, we'll be revisiting this title and have a little subtitle to each one. So we're going to begin today with this series entitled Movement. And I, I believe that God is positioning us and building our faith uh, for what is taking place and what is uh, beginning to take place and what's going to be taking place in the near future. And we know because of the book of James that faith is great, but faith without works is dead. And so when we talk about faith, we're not just talking about an emotional uh, sort of um, position or posture. This is not simply about trying to get you emotionally in an emotional fervent state where you just get excited and we clap and we jump and we twirl and we spin and we run around high-fiving. But when we go out of here, we do nothing. But ultimately, this is about us taking this faith and action to uh, where God is calling us to. It's sort of like I've used this story before, but it's like the idea that there was a church of ducks that was looking for a new pastor. And so the new, uh, the new pastor showed up that day for the very first time and he looked across his congregation of ducks and he began to tell them that ducks were not just simply born to waddle, but ducks were born to fly. And that what was available to them over the horizon, what was available to them if they were just learn to fly and learn to flap their wings and all the ducks quacked with excitement and all the ducks quacked because they believed what the preacher was saying and at the end all the ducks after they were done quacking they waddled home and I think that's sometimes what we do we get excited we hear it we quack with belief but when it's done we waddle home and I believe it's time for us not to waddle home but I believe it's time that we fly and not just become about what we say, but we become about what God is trying to do. I want to take you back to a very pivotal, pivotal moment in history. December 1st, 1955. Seemed like a pretty normal day to most. But on that day in a 
town in the southern part of the United States, there was an unassuming 42-year-old lady who had gotten off work. She was tired. She was weary. After work that day, she decided it was, she was going to take the bus home like she had done many days. But today when she got on the bus, it was not going to be like any other day. Because when she got on the bus that day, she found a seat like she normally had in the area that was designated to her because of what the law said. And she sat there at first and nothing seemed to happen. Didn't seem like it was going to be a pivotal moment in history. Did not seem like this was going to become a defining moment. But after a few moments of being on the bus, several others joined the bus and the driver asked her and three others to please stand because that's what was supposed to happen. And she sat there. She didn't move. Because of that one action that seemed to be just a small part of a bigger issue, but because of one action that was taken by this 42-year-old woman by the name of Rosa Parks, that action led to a cause that became bigger than just one person. That action led to what became known as the Montgomery bus boycott where where African Americans chose to protest the laws of the land by refusing to ride the bus. And as that began to take place, there was a man that stepped forward to lead the charge by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King. This was 1955. America was trying to change, but had done a very poor job at following through with the promises that was given. And so Dr. Martin Luther King and others began to champion the cause for the civil rights movement. I want to fast forward now a mere eight years later. Martin Luther King is at a hotel in Washington, D.C. It's the night before August 28th. It's August 27th. It's now late at night, now moved into the early mornings of August 28th, 1963. And Martin Luther King is at his hotel room and he has got a piece of paper in his hand and he is scribbling down thoughts, ideas, because tomorrow he is going to stand in front of one of the most iconic monuments in America and deliver a speech that would challenge and would inspire and so he, he brought together his advisors and they talked about what needed to be said. And finally he looked at them and said, I've heard enough. He said, I need you to retire so I can be alone and counsel with the Lord. And so Martin Luther King shut the door and began to pray and ask God what he to say. And he began to write down thoughts and ideas. And finally at four in the morning, he had finally thought he had gotten what he wanted to say. And the next day he showed up and the crowd had assembled. Thousands and tens of thousands had assembled to hear something that was going to carry on the calls. He began to speak that day and at first as he began to read, which is unusual for Dr. King because he usually would speak from the heart. In fact, most people said that when he would write down his speeches, he wouldn't really write them down word for words. He would just scribble a couple of points down and really would not speak from a scripted word. He would just speak from his heart. But that day in particular, he felt so compelled of the pivotal moment of history that he decided... Today he would try to stick to a script and so he began to talk and he used the metaphor in the beginning about how America had written a bad check. That America had promised something but when the check had been cashed it had been returned for insufficient funds. And in the middle of that speech he makes this statement. He says go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to South Carolina. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana. Go back to the slums and the ghettos of the northern cities. Knowing that somehow the situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. Doesn't sound very inspirational. It sounds almost like just just keep going. Uh, things might change. It will change. But it's just still going to be rough. It, it didn't sound very inspirational. But when he finished that line. Sitting not too far from him was the famous gospel singer Mahalia Jackson and something came over her and she called out and she said tell him about the dream Martin tell him about the dream 
He pauses for a moment. Whether or not he actually heard her, history never tells. But we know for a fact she called out. She said, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. And he pauses. And he goes off script. And he begins to say, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in America. I have a dream that one day a nation will rise up and live out of the true meaning and the creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream. He went on to say, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill, every mountain shall be made low. Rough places will be made plain. Crooked places will be made straight. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see together. This is our hope. And he finalized with these words. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring from the height of the Alleghenies in Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the, the crevice slopes of California. Let Not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain in Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain, Tennessee. Let freedom ring for every hill and molehill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens... We will allow freedom to ring when we let it ring for every village and every hamlet, for every state and every city. And we will be able to speed up that day. All of a sudden it's changed now. It's no longer go home and just keep on keeping on and surviving. But now the attitude has changed. And he said, we will speed up the day when all God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I wonder what would have been told of history that day if Martin Luther would have played it safe and Martin Luther King would have just simply written what was on the script and just played it safe. But you see, he had sold out to a cause that was bigger than him. That day it stopped being about what was safe for him, but it came about what was good for the cause. Instead of saying that day, go back to Alabama, go back to Mississippi, go back home to the slums and the ghettos, and maybe one day this will change. All of a sudden, something in him, the calls rose up in him, and he said, it will not be this way much longer, because there's a dream that's alive. And if we hold to the dream, something's going to change. I wonder if now over 900 streets in the United States bear the name Martin Luther King Jr. I wonder if those streets would bear that name if he did not speak for the dream. I wonder if those streets would bear the name of Martin Luther King Jr. If he would have just said, go home and just keep on enduring. Just go home and just try to make it. Just go home and huddle your kids together and hopefully this storm will pass over. But something bigger than him got a hold of him and cried out and said, I've got a dream. What's amazing about the speech, I have a dream, that was not the first I have a dream speech. Because I record in First Samuel chapter 17 that there was another I have a dream speech given. This time it was a little different circumstance. First Samuel 17 says, verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, this is talking about Goliath, fed from him with dreadful, dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich the great riches and will give him his daughter and the father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, Well, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him and saying, Man, or so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab... His eldest brother heard when he spoke, when he had spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and he said, why did you come here? And with whom have you left with the few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? 
can play it safe. You can go back to the hamlets and the ghettos and you can go back to Alabama. You can go back to Mississippi and you can hope that the giant leaves us alone. But listen to me, Israel. I've got a dream. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments today on the idea of movement. But I want to ask you a question. Is there not a cause? Because in order to have movement, there's got to be a cause that's bigger than you and I. It can't just be about our world and what's best for us. Because let's be honest, I can preach for the next hundred years and preach you with all your problems and all your difficulties. But in the end, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you're still going to have problems. You're still going to have difficulties. Because as long as you're on this earth, you'll have pain, problems, pressure. It's a guarantee. I cannot preach enough. I cannot teach enough. I cannot pray and fast enough to get the answers from God you need to make your life perfect. But there's a cause that's bigger than you and me. And if we don't understand and sell out to the cause that's bigger than us, we will never get past our own problems. Because if you go back and look, it was... Estimated that David was 17 years old. 17 when he went down to see the battlefield. And see what was all going on there. When he looked around and saw what was happening. And he heard the the cry of the giant. As he accused the people of God. And heard the threatenings. He saw the reaction that was coming from the Israelites that day. He saw the cowardly response. He saw... Goliath openly blasphemed God. But in his youthful mind, there was almost an instantaneous response because he recognized there was something bigger here than just his brothers. There was something bigger here than just the fellow soldiers that were standing there in fear. There was something bigger here than even what King Saul understood. You see, this was not a fight between two armies. This was not a showdown between Goliath and the best soldiers of Israel. No, it was bigger than that. Because you see, David knew that this was a fight that first and foremost started with Jehovah. He understood that it was a cause that was bigger than just who was going to walk away on that battlefield that day victorious. And that's why when he looked at his brother that day, he didn't respond back to what's going on. He responded back with the thought, is there not a cause? This is not a fight today about just simply you overcoming the devil. This is not a fight today about equipping you how to be a better person. This is not a fight today to try to make you a better version of you. But ultimately, it's a bigger thing at play here. This is about Jesus Christ. Paul said, I do not come with you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come to you with demonstration and power because ultimately I come to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Whether or not you ever get healed, whether or not you ever get delivered, it goes beyond that because it starts and ends with Jesus. I'm not trying to get the message out to the world that Jesus is going to make their life better. Will He make your life better? Yes. But it's not about what Jesus will do for you. But it's all about who Jesus is. We don't need to try to sell Jesus. We just need to show Jesus. We don't have to sell Jesus to anybody. We need to show Jesus. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? I want to ask somebody today in your life, is there not a cause? When he said this word, suddenly the whole entire picture came into perspective. And I wonder if David would have been given the floor that day. He might have said something like this. Is there not a cause? Then all of this is just an exercise in futility. If there's not a cause, why are thousands of soldiers lingering around in these trenches Polishing their swords, grooming their horses. If there's not a cause, why the pomp and ceremony of the coronation of King Saul? If there's not a cause, why the tabernacle and the priests, the prophets, the patriarchs, the tables of stone, the brazing altar? If there's not a cause, why does not surrender 
Let the Philistines have their way. But we can't because there is a cause. If there's not a cause today, folks, why are we here? If there's not a cause, why are we asking you not to just give up an hour on your Sunday and give more to the kingdom? If there's not a cause, why are we asking you to be here at 945 to become a disciple, to come to 11 o'clock? And then, oh, by the way, don't go home. Go to a small group. But wait a minute. You don't know what's going on in my life. But I say to you today, is there not a cause? If we lose sight of the cause, we lose sight of the vision. If we don't understand the cause, but you don't know what's going on in my life, you don't know all I'm going through, you don't know the difficulties, but I say yes, but you don't realize the cause. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? There's a cause because there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven. There's understanding... That David understood that if, when he stepped out on that battlefield, there was no guarantee of victory. I know he stood out there. And I know what he said. You know, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. All that stuff he said, but that's true. But you know what? Here's what David understood. David understood this. He understood that if he had to lose him, he had to lose himself in the cause if the cause was to triumph. In order for the cause to triumph, I've got to lose myself in the cause. The cause, I said it this morning at 9.45, it's not about me. Our flesh doesn't like this type of preaching. I'm not going to get you running around, high-fiving and falling out because this is not about what God's going to do for you. <laughs> we don't like this. Wait a minute. You don't know what I'm going through today, preacher. You don't know the hell I'm going through. But you don't know the God that's on the throne either. You don't know the difficulty I'm facing when I go home today. You don't know the sorrow and all the stuff. Yeah, but you don't realize there's a God on the phone and there's a cause that's bigger than you and he's trying to get you to buy into the cause. Yes, you may have to give up some things in your life, but the cause is worth it. David understood there was a, there was, that out there there was someone and there was somewhere there was a call, a meeting that dwarfed his life. You see, when David went out to meet Goliath, he understood that it wasn't just about confronting the giant, but the cause was put on display for the world to see because he was only one small teenage boy. Yeah, he killed a lion, he killed a bear, and all that was great, but that wasn't enough to position him to where he was. He became the representative of a much bigger cause. Because he understood the cause and sold out to the cause, he became the representation. So you know what? In order for the cause to win that day, it wasn't about if David won, is whether the cause was. Because you know what? I believe that day, what would have happened? If David would have stepped out on that battlefield... Yes, those Israelites were scared, but by seeing that young boy step out on the battlefield and stand before that giant with no sword, no shield, no helmet, no breastplate, nothing but just a old, tired sling, that by watching that, they were inspired to go beyond where they were. I wonder... If that day, and maybe it would have happened, and maybe history would have repeated it, and maybe somewhere along the way. But I wonder that day, and I'm not trying to, I know it's a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. I'm not trying to, 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 to capitalize on this subject, because I know it's a very sensitive one. So I apologize if me using this might offend you, and I mean that sincerely. But I wonder if what history would have written if Rosa Parks would have never sat down that day. Because you know what I would have thought, Brother Tino, in her mind, maybe the thought would have said, you know what, you're just making a fool of yourself. How can one person really make a difference? How can one action really affect the world? How can my little world, my one bus, one person, one 42-year-old unassuming woman make a difference? And so the devil comes along and says, well, we know Pastor Joel, he can make a difference. And we know the small group leader can make a difference. But you know, you're just one person. 
What can you do to make a difference? But what happens if on the bus you ride to work on, maybe literally or figuratively, when you go to work tomorrow morning, that you go to work understanding that there's a cause bigger than a paycheck? And yes, you might not stand up on the bus and say this is wrong, but by your actions, you can say I'm standing for a cause that's bigger than me. If I was the devil, I would to tell you, you know what? You can't make a difference. If I was the devil, I'd convince you, you can't really make a difference. You're just one of, you're just a peon. You've got to be up here. You've got to have one of these things to make a difference. That's what the devil says, and that's what religion says. The religion says, hey, we'll cheer you on. Go get them, tiger. Woohoo! We'll be your cheerleaders. You be the one. Because we can't make a difference. But you know what? Is there not a cause? It's not it's one thing for me to stand up here today behind this pulpit and to yell at this microphone, is there not a cause? But it's another thing when the cause gets a hold of you. When the cause gets down in your heart. When the cause gets down in your spirit. When something happens one summer morning, a man by the name of Ray Blankenship It was just a normal morning preparing breakfast like he normally did. Bread, toast, eggs, a couple of slices of bacon, glass of orange juice. As he prepared his breakfast that day, he looked out the window and saw a small little girl being swept along in the rain-flooded drainage ditch beside his home in Andover, Ohio. Blankenship knew that this was bad news. Because he knew further downstream the ditch would disappear with the roar underneath the road that emptied into a main culvert. And this little girl fell in that culvert. More than likely, she would be dead. Without even thinking or hesitating, Ray dashed out the door, racing down the ditch, jumped in the ditch, grasping for the little girl, fighting the churning water, fighting the current. Finally, he was able to grab the child's arm and surface for a gas of air. They tumbled over and over as they approached closer and closer to the culvert and potentially death for the little girl. And with his free hand, as he grasped for something to hold on to, his hand snagged on something that was solid and he held on. And as he held on to that, in his mind, the thought says, just hold on until help comes. Hold on. But something in him rose up and there was an inner strength. By the time the fire department had arrived to help him, Ray had pulled that little girl to safety. They were sitting on the shore and they were panting out of breath, but they were okay. Fire department came and treated them for shock. When it was all said and done, the town heard about this and the town had awarded him a medal of bravery in honor for this selfless deed. And yes, the reward was fitting for what he had done, but the reward did not tell the whole story because you see the acts that day for Ray Blankenship were even of more peril than you can imagine because Ray Blankenship couldn't swim. Knowing he couldn't swim, Knowing he did not have the ability in himself, the cause propelled him to go beyond his limitations. Don't tell me today you can't swim because the cause is greater than your limitations. Don't tell me today what you can't do because God never calls someone And doesn't give them the tools necessary to carry out the calling. If God's called you to the cause, he's equipped you to participate. Don't tell me, but I can't swim. If Ray would have said that day, hey, somebody help this little girl. She's going to die, but I can't jump in because I can't swim. Would she have made it? I don't know. But he did not let his limitations stop him. From trying to make a difference. But you can't. I can't jump in and say somebody. You don't know what I've been through brother. Right? You don't know how I messed up my life. You don't know the stuff in my life. You don't know my past. You don't know that. But yes I know a God. 
that's bigger. I know a God that's bigger. And I know a cause that's greater. And yes, you might be facing the what ifs of your life. But I question you today. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause bigger? You see, as believers, if we're really going to be truly apostolic, apostolic is not simply about what we experience and believe. To truly be apostolic, we've got to do. Because let's go back and and read the scripture here. I read it a couple weeks ago, but let's read it again. Ready? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the othermost parts of the earth. Yes, that's awesome. But here's the key. This, This was not prophetic words of simply just a command. For them to do something. But this is prophetic words of what would happen. Not what they were going to do, but what would happen. Because here's the key. The phrase, you shall be. You shall be witnesses. That phrase in the Greek is not a phrase that's indicative, which, I mean imperative, which means a command. It's not a command to be witnesses. It's an indicative statement, which is simply a statement of fact. Meaning, when I receive the Holy Ghost, it's not a call for me to go beyond. But when I receive the Spirit of God, it's an imperative statement of fact that now I am a part of the cause. But if I separate myself from the cause, I separate myself from the power. You say, what's all this Holy Ghost stuff about? I don't feel anything. That's because you're not a part of the cause. Because the cause is what gives the power. You shall receive power to be witnesses. The power comes as we are witnesses. When I don't feel the power because I'm not a part of the cause. You see, here's the progression, right? This is the progression we have to know. Is this. The progression is simply. Through this. First the cause must change our life. Then we've got to find out what the cause is all about. And then we must live the cause. So when I come to God. The cause changes me. As I grow in God. I find out what the cause is all about. But the final step is I begin to live the cause. We want to hang our hat on what the cause did for us. Look what the cause did for me. Where would I be without Jesus? Oh, you wouldn't know what my life would be about Jesus. That's awesome. But that's what the cause did for you. But once you know what the cause did for you and you know what the cause is, then you need to live the cause. Because it's the cause that changes. You will never be as big as you can until you attach yourself to a cause that's bigger than yourself. I'll read that again. You missed that again. You will never be as big as you can be until you attach yourself to a cause bigger than yourself. As long as your dream extends only as far as your skin, you will never achieve the fulfillment and happiness that God intended for your life. Because there's a cause bigger than there's a cause. I sat Friday and talked to a wonderful couple that have gone through hell. You guys don't know this very much, but Brother John here has survived two heart attacks, not just palpitations, two 100% widowmaker blockages. One just a few weeks ago. His wife threw all kinds of stuff. She's going through personal stuff. I sat there, we talked. And at the end, all of the hell, the bottom line, and I'm not trying to be private, but they'll understand what I'm saying. I looked across and I said, my God, what does God have for you? That he's willing to spare you two times when you should be dead. 
and is able to carry you through 30 years of all the stuff that you've gone through. There's a cause that's bigger than this. Because you know what? Without the cause, it doesn't make sense. Without the cause, God, why am I going through the hell I'm going through? Without the cause, I get angry and frustrated because I look at my life and I look and say, God, you're supposed to be loving and kind and gentle. And I say, God, it doesn't add up. But God says, there's a cause that's bigger than you. Why is it the fact that most of you didn't even start your journey and life in Maryland, but God has brought you not only to Maryland, but brought you to this point? You couldn't have scripted out your life. We've got people from all over. We've got people from the northeast. We've got people from the southeast. We've got people from the west. We've got people from outside of this country. You're here right now. Why? Because there's a cause. There's a cause. It's not simply about coming and having good church. It's not simply about coming and pat you and say, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it to heaven. It's okay. Yet holding on, you just keep on keeping on, baby. It's beyond that. Because every day when we leave here, there are thousands of people that are crying out for help, saying, somebody find me. And I say today, is there not a cause? Why are we doing small groups? Why are we doing discipleship? Why are we doing Bible studies? Why are we doing all this? It's just so much, preacher. You don't know what I'm going through. I can't do all this. I say it to you because of the cause. If we lose sight of the cause, this will just become worthless, pointless. If we lose sight of the cause, you're going to get bitter. You're going to resent this. You're going to say, no, it's too much because you don't understand the cause. But when you understand the cause, there's no price you're, willing, you're not willing to pay. I'm not saying we just walk around with our head held down just saying, oh, you know, oh my goodness, this calls. It's, oh, what are you doing? I can't smile because of the calls. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying, if you're wanting God to make your life perfect, you don't understand the cause. If you want all your problems in life solved, so that you can be happy and content and perfect and love life and just think everything is wonderful and utopia and you can, you can, wonderful world, you and Louis Armstrong can sing when I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Don't make me sing it. I may have to sing it here. You know I can't pass up an opportunity. Don't me? When I think to myself... What a wonderful world When I think to myself What a wonderful world Oh yeah Oh my goodness And I, the bishop's even here now I'm going in trouble Dear Jesus it's not about making your life wonderful. This is not a movie. It's not trying to make your life scripted Hollywood production. There's a cause. I'm not asking you today to give yourself so that Antioch West can become great. I'm not asking you to give yourself to this so that we can boost the profile of Joel Wright ministry so I can be known. I'm asking you to give yourself because there's a cause. It's not about Antioch West. It's about a cause. But if we can find a group of people that are willing to sell out to the cause, there will be movement. Because movement happens when we find a cause worth moving for. You can't move if there's not a cause. In order to have a movement, you've got to have a cause. There's an old song that says, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die. Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross... At the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away.
It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. It was at the cross I received my sight, not so I could see, but that I could help others find their sight as well. You see, it wasn't the cross that opened my eyes so I can go around going, Ah, see, I see, all of you are blind. But you know what? The Bible says if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. The world is looking for people who can see. You know why all this discipleship stuff we've been doing the last number of months? Do you know why we've been talking about anatomy of a disciple? You know why we're talking about the heart and becoming more like Jesus? Because there's a cause. There's a cause. There's a cause that's bigger than you. There's a cause that's bigger than me. There's a cause that's bigger than my circumstances. There's a cause. Brother Owens, when I get up in the morning and all of you are off to work and I open up my eyes, the calls doesn't stop because it's Monday. When I go about my day Tuesday and I'm not with my church family, the calls doesn't turn off. When I'm driving down the road, or we talked about it this morning, when I'm walking in Walmart, I don't walk into Walmart and turn off the calls. The calls is bigger than me. I don't see people in Walmart and go, oh my goodness, look at the disdain of humanity. All these people, I say, no, look at this. The cause is even greater. You see, without the cause, we become so callous to humanity. Without the calls, we look at people and we don't see who they really are. We just see the mask that they're wearing and judge them by the fact that they don't look or act or are like us. Oh, I can't. No, look at them. Look at them. No, 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 no. You see, the calls looks beyond and sees the hurt. A call sees the pain. A call sees beyond the Mercedes Benz that the rich man's driving and sees the fact that even though he's got it all, he's empty inside. The call sees beyond the needle of the drug addict and says, well, you know, they're just a waste of society. The call sees that there's a person that's crying out for help and doesn't know where to turn and that's trapped in a cycle they can't get out of. It's not just a needle. It's not just a bottle. It's not just a pill, but it's a soul that's leading somebody that's willing to say listen I can't swim but I'm willing to jump in the river with you and we're going to hold on to something until help comes I can't swim but that's not going to keep me from jumping in the water to get you out of where you are I'm telling you what today, if you don't want to get wet, you don't understand the cause. If you don't want to get your clothes messed up, you don't understand the cause. If you're willing to get your bathing suit on before you jump in the water, you don't understand the cause. Because the cause. I can't swim, but I'm willing to leap. I can't swim, but I'm willing to jump in. I can't swim, but I see a little girl who may not make it. I see a drug addict who may not be around. I see an opiate addiction that may be another statistic on a board at a traffic light. I see another family that's going to be a statistic of divorce and broken. I see another child that's going to grow up hurting. I can't stop because I can't swim. Because there's a cause. There's a cause. There's a cause. I can't say, well, you know, well, sorry that it's you because I got my church family. I got Jesus. Honk if you love Jesus because I'm going to church Sunday. Sorry your life stinks. No, the calls doesn't let you think that way. The calls doesn't let you see that way. The calls makes you alert to the fact that there are people that need Jesus. And can I be honest with you today? We don't need to sell Antioch West. Can we please stop trying to sell Antioch West? Because Antioch West is not a brand. Antioch West is not a, not the only temple in the world to go to. Let's stop trying to sell Antioch West. Can we just sell Jesus? I don't care if they go to Antioch West or somewhere else. I just want them to find Jesus because there's a river that they're flowing down that if they don't find something to hold on, they won't make it. Stand with me today. Can you stand?
Can we stop trying to sell them Antioch West? Can we stop trying to sell them what you gotta? You, this is you. Gotta, this is it. You gotta. Can we just sell them Jesus? There's an old song we used to sing that says, "I give you Jesus." He'll be the water that you drink to never thirst again. I give you Jesus. He's the peace that passes all the understanding. I give you Jesus. The calls today, Brother Bickley, is bigger than me and you. The calls today is bigger than just Antioch West and filling up this room so we can all pat ourselves on the back and say, look what we've done. Oh, we got 37 small groups. No, to know that for every small group we start, that means the calls is getting bigger. It's not that we start a small group so we can say, yes, we just started our 15th small group today. Isn't that awesome? No, we just made the calls bigger today. We just put another... We put another hand in the river today with small group. We put another hand, and I guarantee you, Kelsey and Bailey probably looked at me and said, but, but Pastor Wright, I do it, but I can't swim. That's okay, jump in. Jesus is there. Some of you today, that God's trying to get you to take that next step it's because we need more small group leaders. You say, but I, you don't know. I can't swim. Jump in. The cause is bigger because ultimately the prayer today is I just want to be like Jesus. I just want to be like Jesus. Can we have that prayer today? That God, I just want to be like you. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. Come on, let's just sing this today as we close. Here's the calls right here. This is the calls. To be like Jesus here's the calls ready this is the calls that makes us move this is the calls that causes us to jump in even though we know we can't swim this is the calls to be like him oh yes 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 all through life's journey from here in my problems till I get to heaven the whole way oh here's my only desire here's my cause here's the thing we want oh I want to be like him I want to be like him I want to be like him oh come on as we close I, I encourage you would you close your eyes and sing this as a prayer to be like Jesus to be like Jesus on earth I long just to be just to be oh like Earth to glory, to glory. I only ask, holy, oh, to be like Him. Can you just join with somebody next to you and let's sing this together? Because we need each other. We're not alone. Can you sing it together with somebody? Be like Jesus. Jesus. Come on, we're in this together. We're not on this cause by ourselves. We're in this cause together. To be like him. To be like him. All through Like him to be like him, to be like 
Come on, let's just sing it one more time. It sounds so beautiful. It sounds so beautiful to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. On earth I long to be, to be, to be, to be like hell all through life's journey from earth to glory. To glory, I only ask. I only ask. Oh, to be like you. Sing that last part with me. All through, all through life's journey. like him to be like him hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Jesus I want you to turn to your neighbor before we end and I want you to say the word movement and I want you to ask them the question is there not a cause is there not a cause? Because the, the answer today is, yes, there is a cause. Yes, there is a cause. Don't forget, there are small groups this afternoon. Please go be in a small group today, somewhere. God bless you. Help us break down if you can. We've got to bring the tables back in. God bless you.